Hey, this is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on the first edition of the New Year's programs on Transit Unplugged News and Views. And today we've got a doozy for you, a great twofer interview. Uh, we are interviewing Shofi Olazam, who is Operational Innovations and Performance Manager at KCATA as one of the honorees this year in Mass Transit Magazine's Top 40 Under 40 program. And after his interview, we'll have Brittany Farr, Director of Government Relations at Denton County Transportation Authority. Thank you, Shofi, for being with us today, and congratulations on your great award. Thank you, Paul, for having me today. It's been a huge honor uh, to share this with uh, with outstanding class of 2021. Excellent. And that class of 2021 was selected by Misha Wanek-Libman, executive editor of Mass Transit Magazine and her team. Misha, tell us a little about the program and how you chose this year's honorees. Oh, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to speak on it. Um, so we have an evaluation committee. Um, so we we all look at uh, 150 plus applications that come our way. Uh, so none of us is making this decision in a vacuum. It's a, a team effort. Uh, we compile all the scores, average amount. And uh, unfortunately, we do have to draw that line somewhere between number 40 and number 41. Um, so scoring it and giving it a metric kind of helps us whittle it down that way. Um, so this program, uh, we started it in 2008. I've been involved in it for the past three years. Uh, and it really gives us a chance to spotlight uh, those mid-level professionals, um, the the young and up-and-comers uh, who will carry this industry forward into the future. We we know that um, you know forty is not a magic. Uh, line in the sand. I know plenty of us, myself included, are, are productive well after they've turned 40, uh, but this is just a, a way to spotlight the next generation of transit professionals. Yeah, and it's a great program. I've known a lot of people that have um, received this honor in the past. It's meant a lot to their career. Shofi, do you think it's it's meaning a lot in your career already? I mean, you just got it last week and you've already met the president. Holy moly! Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. It, it's a big deal for me. Yeah, I had an opportunity to meet the president of the United States. He was in Kansas City and specifically the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority. And I'm not surprised all the great stuff that we're doing, zero emissions, zero fear, and the biggest transit investment in transit, like Kansas City Streetcar expansion. Yeah, it is incredible. And it's, it is always nice to meet presidents. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little about yourself and what you do there at Kansas City Area Transit Authority. Um, my name is Shofi Ol-Azum, and uh, I originally from Bangladesh, and I came to the United States for higher education, and then I started working at Kansas City Area Transportation Authority. So, um, so most of the work, I, I started as a project controls manager for the, for the uh, Prospect Max BRT project, so which is the third BRT line in Kansas City. So this project has some unique features, like level boarding, conductive concrete, and and right KC Navigator app, so which is basically an assisted wayfinding system for the people with visual impairment. So all of those new unique features, and it was intriguing to me. And, um, and, and yeah, it's, it's been a huge honor to be part of this huge team. And I'm going to start with uh, one of the hottest uh, trend, transit trend, if you will say, electric bus. So this is one of the biggest things that I've been doing. So I'm leading this effort. So right now, uh, we have two 40-foot electric bus and with depot charging. Uh, and then uh, we just own a Lono brand. This is first, first for our organization. So this will help us to get three more uh, electric bus and charging infrastructure 
and some training for workforce development. And uh, you know, this is uh, this is we're in the middle of transitioning. So we're working on fleet transitioning plan and uh, maybe what it looks like. So next few years, we'll be collecting data and then and make it make it set a goal for us. I mean, what it looks like. I mean, with electric bus and with the lithium ion batteries that most of the OEMs have. Uh, we can achieve the range, but there may be some other aspects of it, meaning that maybe aluminum air battery, maybe uh, a, a supercapacitor, something is coming, or maybe solid state batteries, or maybe we can focus on infrastructure planning. So with President Biden infrastructure plan, that's really timely uh, initiative. So that will help all of us to move forward with that effort. So yeah, that's actually my number one project on my list. All right. So, uh, Shofi, one of the things that made you in particular stand out to our team is just a lot of the, the projects that you just mentioned, the, the Prospect, Prospect Max BRT, uh, Kansas City Streetcar Main Street Extension, uh, the KC Navigator app, which is just so innovative. Now, as I understand it, um, other agencies have reached out to you to uh, get some information about the KC Navigator app. Can you share with us a little bit more information about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so we launched that app last year and uh, it is uh, it is step-by-step navigation instruction system that helps um, the visually impaired people. And we have called from uh, City of Gainesville from Florida and they were asking about, uh, about this deployment and how um, they can deploy this for their city. And, uh, it was a good learning, uh, lesson learning session that I shared and my experience with this, assuming that there is no previous examples of deploying this kind of technology. So I feel like this is a key to testing a new technology and share it with other people, other peer agencies or cities that they're trying to deploy a similar kind of technology. So yeah, it, it gives an opportunity to people with visual impairment equal opportunity and access to jobs, access to healthcare, access to all opportunities. So yeah, I believe this is an incredible opportunity for us to deploy it in my city and helping other cities um, to deploy deploy that as well, yeah. So for you and I have known each other for a few years, and I've always been very impressed with you. Um, You are motivated, you're hungry, you think in straight lines, you're intelligent, you're focused and you're willing to do the research that's necessary uh, to advance yourself. And I just want to call out those traits because I really think those are key. Uh, And Misha had a good question to kind of like take that forward some on leadership. But to me, that's a big reason for your success are those character traits. Misha, do you agree? Absolutely. Um, And and their Shofi's willingness to um, think big uh, is another thing that that made us stand out. Um, and he's part of an agency that thinks big as well. So, uh, Shofi, can you kind of touch on the importance of having a leadership in place that give, gives you the latitude uh, to explore and, and try new things and, and really be innovative? Right. And, and I agree with you, Misha. So it, it's all about organizational culture and values, how leadership perceive their things. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to the um, leadership of my organization giving me the opportunity to go beyond comfort zone, to be innovative, um, to, be, uh, to think outside the box. So those are things that I already have from my organization that help me to grow, meaning that try something like this ADA. So it's an advanced driver assistance system. 
So we launched our Prospect Max DRT uh, back in uh, December of 2019. And initially, we had some issues with the coalition, with the level boarding platforms. So yeah, and Jameson Arden, he's the deputy CEO, he called me up, hey, can you do something about it? And yeah, and then we did, as, as Paul mentions, the research is the key uh, to grow. I mean, we did the research, put together a grant application, and we're right now working on deploying that system that will help our operators uh, with some audio and visual tools. So this is one of the demonstration of that. And uh, also like, like other initiatives like conductive pumping. So it's a snow and ice melt system. It's another, if you say, research project. Uh, it's one of the first in the whole country. So it's a technology that helps to keep the platforms warm like 40 degrees in an event of snowstorm. Like I have been in that situation, wedding the bus stop, and then it was snowing. There are like maybe six inches of snow. It's no fun. So this technology, and, and it's, it's, I think it's a groundbreaking thing. So our customers love this. So, and, and I believe my organization is also very customer-centric. So all of the innovative projects that we're doing, focusing, solving people's problems and making uh, an effective transit system for us, and so, yeah, so this is, this is incredible that the flexibility that I have from my organization, that helps, helps me to grow and be yeah. innovative. It does. I think, um, I think leaders that are not, they're not intimidated or they're not, um, what's the word I'm looking for, threatened by other leaders are the best leaders, right? The ones that want to kind of help their caterpillars open up and become butterflies and fly. And I've always used that analogy. Uh, I think that's important. You're, People like you, Shofi, and others in this top 40 under 40 class that I know are, um, are, are motivated and want to rise. And I think it, it, they can achieve more, like Misha said, when they're in an, when they're in an environment like Robbie Mackinnon has created there uh, and his other leadership team at KCATA, where they're trying new things, you know, zero fares, ride KC Freedom, um, all, all the kind of things you all are doing there. As a matter of fact, you just had a uh, a little surprise, right? Didn't they all come and surprise you and, and, and give you a big honor for, for getting this award? Yeah, so that was uh, last Tuesday. <laughs> it was it was a huge surprise for me. So I had absolutely no clue. Um, Robbie arranged that and there were all the VPs were there. It was a huge honor. It, it actually tells you um, how uh, it's organizational values and cultures, which is critical for growth and doing something outstanding and how organizations treat their employees that goes a long way. I mean, that's where comes the dedication. That's where comes the uh, to do something going beyond your comfort. And uh, yeah, so this is all about leadership. Leadership matters. I mean, yeah. And and look, in, in Kansas City, we're constantly looking for innovative way to give people access to jobs, housing, affordable housing. And then, uh, yeah. So as Robbie Mackinnon says, uh, those are the four pillars of public transit and that falls under the bigger umbrella of social activity. So yeah, it's all about connecting people to opportunities and yeah. That's right, yeah, I agree with that. So in your role as operational innovations and performance manager, what's, I would, uh, my last question for you is, what is like uh, one big new great thing about public transit that you're excited to implement or plan in the in this year of 2022? Um, one of the things, it's, it's, it's based on, it's, it's a really new technology based on artificial intelligence and data science. Um, it, 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 it's actually overseeing how operators are driving. And our goal is to get the insights instantly and then send those analytics to the operators so that they can improve their performance. 
And it's not just a bad thing, it's a good thing as well. So we're going to give them appreciation that they deserve. They're doing outstanding job every day on the street. So they deserve some credit. So this is going to help us better performance management. And the goal is to just make themselves better and, and improving the fleet safety. So that's very critical. And I'm looking forward to implement this in 2022. And I think our future is bright. I mean, all those innovations and technology, I am so excited. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one more question, uh, maybe a little bit open for everyone, that can we have X percent of your budget uh, for innovation, for, for emerging testing emerging technologies? I mean, yeah, I mean, this is probably one of the things that I'm really ambitious about, that agencies and cities may have maybe 1%, 2%, 3%. But yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be in the long run very much beneficial. And preparing a workforce for all those changes and uh, make make your transit system more sustainable. Shofi, thank you so much. Um, I love speaking with uh, leaders like yourself. Uh, it makes me excited for the future of transit and hopefully uh, for the listeners on this podcast as well. They're pumped up after hearing you speak about the future of transit. Thank you so much, Shofi. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. Mass Transit Magazine's always excellent 40 under 40 recognition got me thinking about best practices for communicating internally about your own organization's recognition programs. First, we know recognition programs are a smart way to help retain good employees, and they're also the right way to reward hard work and dedication. If you haven't already, you need to educate your organization about your recognition program. As you communicate within your organization, through all the old standby communications channels, including your internal newsletters and the good old bulletin board, think about the recognition program from each department's perspective. How will the program work for each segment of your internal audience? What's new or what's going to change? How will you communicate and justify the expense to your board and executive level, and what's the return on investment they'd like to see? Next, make sure your frontline managers have everything they need to talk to their workers about the program. As you know, these folks are busy, so cooking down the program into a few key words and sentences will both make their lives easier and increase the likelihood of everyone being on the same page. Finally, whatever your recognition program is, make sure you follow up with lots of celebratory communication when awards have been made. To make the recognition last longer and boost the reputation of the recognition program itself, you can even consider using the winner's titles in follow-up communications. For example, when you mention that employee in future communications, point out that she was employee of the year in the past. If you'd like to talk more about internal communications for employee recognition or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. This is Transit Unplugged. Thanks for sticking with us today on our special Top 40 Under 40 episode. Great to have with us again, Misha Wanick-Libman, who's Executive Director of Mass Transit Magazine. Misha, thanks for uh, joining with us on both these interviews. Happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm really excited to have Brittany Farr uh, as our guest today, our special guest. She is one of the honorees this year of Mass Transit Magazine's Top 40 Under 40 Awards Program. Brittany is Director of Government Relations right now at the Denton County Transportation Authority. Uh, Brittany, thanks so much for joining us. 
It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks, Paul. Uh, our staff, we were just talking about times when uh, when I used to be at the MTA and my staff was down meeting with her and they spoke very, very highly of you then. And that was probably five, six years ago. And you've only gone up in the industry since then. And congratulations on your recent move there to Denton County from Dallas. Uh, thanks so much. I'll, I'll make sure to slip all of your uh, your former staff their 20s in the mail for all the nice things. That about <laughs> That's great. So, uh, Misha, we kind of already at the beginning of the program talked about um, the, the top 40 under 40. Why don't you just give us a quick rehash of what the program is, and then we'll dig in with Misha's. Uh, we'll have you and I dig in with Brittany on, on all the great things she's doing and why she was so well-deserving of this honor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So just a, a quick uh, overview of what the 40 under 40 uh, honors are. We uh, do it annually. Uh, and it's just our way of putting the spotlight on uh, kind of the, the the mid-level or the next generation of folks uh, who will be carrying the torch for the transit industry moving forward. Um, I keep waiting for there to be a class of uh, or or uh, you know, applications, you keep waiting for the the dud to come through and think, oh, well, this has made my life easier. And it just has not happened uh, within the the past three years that I've been involved in it. So uh, while the, the top 40 um, is definitely worthy of honors, uh, there are a, a lot of people uh, who didn't quite make the cut uh, that are also uh, absolutely exemplary uh, examples of, of, of what the uh, the transit industry has moving forward. Yeah, it's great. We have a strong bench, as they say. Yes. Um, one of the things we were just talking about in the green room before we went on the air is the fact that uh, I remember back when Kevin Quinn won the award from your magazine. Uh, Kevin was a planning director at MTA when I was there. And it really is a... Um, it's a bolster to your resume uh, is the best way to put it. You know, it, it shows uh, national recognition um, for folks in our industry. And so, you know, Kevin's gone on now and he was uh, our guest last week on the podcast, our first episode of the year. Uh, and Brittany, you got to meet him, right? Didn't you come to MTA Baltimore shortly after he was named CEO there? I did, sir. I was part of the After Emerging Leaders program and Baltimore hosted. And I think it was either the day or day after that Kevin Quinn had been appointed to that position. So yeah. I, can, I can say Kevin and I go way back. There you go. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Great guy. So, Brittany, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, Misha talked about the program itself and tell us about, you know, how you got this award. I know that Gary was involved, uh, the former CEO in, in Dallas and our, you know, all of our, all three of us, our joint, our good friend uh, who's done such a great job in the industry and a great job in, um, you know, selecting and um, promoting young people, I think, in, in the administration when he was there in Dallas. So tell us a little about yourself. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, first, I will say that anyone that ever gets to work for Gary C. Thomas is a lucky individual. And I feel humbled and blessed to have learned at his knee and am honored to be nominated by him for this award. Um, I'm actually one of the weirdos when it comes to public transit. I am a liberal arts gal. Um, I got my undergraduate degree in government at the University of Texas at Austin and then went on and got my law degree from Boston College Law School in Newton, Massachusetts. <clears throat> so naturally, I wound up in public transit, right? I yes. <laughs> started my career actually doing juvenile justice issues, um, whether that was uh, special education or, or uh, juvenile delinquency and um, had the opportunity to move back to Dallas. My family said uh, it's because I miss them. But if we're being really honest, I missed Mexican food. 
Um, but maybe don't put that in the podcast. Maybe if the family asks, it was definitely the family uh, at, at the little bus company, Dallas Area Rapid Transit. Um, I was given the option to apply for a position in the general counsel's office or to go to the government relations department. And I have always known I didn't want to be a lawyer. I've always been a bit of a people person. Um, and I've always known that I was going to be a public transit uh, or public servant. And transit absolutely um, is a service to individuals. So I did uh, my first six years as local and regional relations manager at Dallas Area Rapid Transit. And I kept getting what I would call other duties as a sign. Hmm. Um, and they were really random things because our deputy executive director at the time, Jesse Oliver and Gary, both knew I had an affinity for public service and social justice problems. So they would come by my office and say things like, Brittany, we want you to figure out how to take a vacant piece of dark property and turn it into a community garden. Or Brittany, we want you to teach all 3,500 DART employees how to report and recognize signs of human trafficking. And this was all on top of my day job. And so about seven years then, I went to Gary and said, Gary, I'm doing two full-time jobs. I need you to decide if you want me to be the local and regional relations manager or if you want me to take on these other projects. Or, or you could have asked him, why don't you pay me for both jobs? That's oh, what I would well, okay. But I'm still, <laughs> and that's a whole other topic yeah, of what yeah, it is okay. to negotiate payment structures as yeah. an under 40. But but Gary, of course, being Gary, said, well, Brittany, actually, why don't you choose which, which of these two jobs you want to do? And of course, you know, I've got the social justice bug in me. So uh, we created a new position at DART, the Community Connections Program Manager, and I became responsible for all of the, the social justice issues that we encountered at DART. So things like human trafficking, food insecurity, homelessness and mental health, job access. Um, and we did some really incredible things there. Um, and then COVID happened. <laughs> and the shakeup across the industry occurred. And I was um, offered a position to, to, to move up a little bit and uh, become the director of government relations here at DCTA. And it's been an awesome experience. I, I've really enjoyed making the jump. Um, the commute is a little, now I can identify with our clientele a little bit more because that commute is something else, um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I valued my time at DART and I'm really excited for what I get to do here now at DCTA. That's great, Brittany. And I will say uh, our evaluation committee, you mentioned the the social justice issues, and that was one of the things that, that stood out to us. Um, and it's not, these issues aren't just endemic to transit. I mean, there, there are problems everywhere, the food insecurity, homelessness, human trafficking. Um, so with that experience at DART and now moving over into government relations at DCTA, how do you see uh, those experiences overlapping? Well, I think, again, it goes back to we're public servants. And I don't think that you can adequately serve the public if you don't know what the public is going through. And to your point, these are issues that we're experiencing throughout every community across America. And one of the great things about transportation and, and specifically about transit is the way that it connects everything. Uh, we are a vital, uh, important commodity to everyone, whether they're going to work, whether they're going to school, whether they're going to the grocery store, we touch so many lives. And the ability <clears throat> to see how these things are connected, to see how transit specifically can be more than just buses and trains, more than just microtransit, but can really have a positive effect on our communities is something I think is really beautiful. I mean, when it comes to things like community gardens, healthy people ride transit. If you're too sick to go to work or to go to school, you're not even going to leave the house, let alone consider transit as an option. 
So not only does it provide us an opportunity to see where we can fill some of the gaps in our communities, but in the government relations role, it allows me to relay these experiences to, to remind the stakeholders and elected officials and the decision makers why transit is so important and why it's more than just transit-oriented development. And all that stuff is great. I mean, I'm selling transit in Dallas, Texas. Economic development is a very important thing here, but sometimes we need to be reminded of the human factor of it. And, and I like to think that, um, again, as Gary calls me, I am the person that humanizes public transit. It's great. Baby. And that's funny that you, you mentioned the humanizing of transit, because that was one line that stood out. And one thing that we included in your profile right, right up as well is that uh, bringing that human element to it is, is so important. But Paul, I interrupted you. Apologies. Go ahead. No, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that it was called out because that's actually where I wanted to go with my next question, which is so um, I really think and tell me if you agree with this, Brittany, and you too, Misha, uh, I think that during the during the peak of the pandemic, a lot of transit agencies saw it as an inflection point where we were able to analyze uh, what I call the reason they atra, right? So it's what, what is our reason to exist uh, as an agency and as a service? Primarily uh, for the last 20, 30, 40 years, it's been probably since the 1950s and 60s, it's been largely to get people to and from their jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, but I see, I guess, a sea change in the reason why we exist and people are now creating more policy reasons behind why we run public transit. I think that's why we're seeing a larger investment at the federal level as well, as they have seen, right, that public transit during the peak of the pandemic was the lifeline for our communities. It really was infrastructure that when we told people, you can't ride the bus unless you're an essential worker, we still were at 50%. So the people that were running the hospitals, the pharmacies, the water departments were all riding the bus. And I think people realized a light went on over their head and said, oh, huh. This really is essential. If we didn't have public transit, our whole society and economy could not function. And then additional policy reasons like adding equity inclusion to communities, like cleaning up the air and the environment. All these things have become really now more of the reason for why public transit is such an important part of what we do you know, in America. I mean, what do you think of that, Brittany? Is that, that kind of like is what you're saying you love doing, right? That is what I love doing. And one of the things that I always point to is one of the I guess I'm dating myself a little bit because it's not that flashy anymore, but mobility as a service was all we could talk about for the last few years, mobility as a service. And when I think of mobility as a service, when I think of mobility, I don't just mean to your point, Paul, getting from one place to the other. I think about economic mobility. I think about uh, uh, climate mobility, how, how these pillars that almost every transit agency, if not every transit agency across America points to. I mean, yeah, we're in the business of moving people, but we're also in the business of creating a better quality of life. We're in the business of where we can mitigating some of the air quality issues that we're encountering, uh, encouraging economic development. And, and through all of these pillars, we're able to create a holistic, sustainable community. And, and it's not just, it's, it's not your daddy's bus company anymore. It's not just buses and trains. It's, it's how it all fits together in the mobility sphere to increase um, uh, rising tides lifts all boats for everyone. So I love it. I love seeing this kind of stuff really take hold. I love some of the parameters that were in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and that that uh, focus on equity, that focus on environmental quality, because that should open up some possibilities from a funding perspective for transit agencies to do more than. What do you think, Misha, of that? kind? Of, are you seeing that as your, because you, you have a great perspective running, you know, our the top magazine in our industry? 
Well, first of all, thank you for <laughs> labeling us as such. I, I agree, but I'm terribly biased. Um, but yes, I, I agree with everything you just said, Paul. I agree with everything that Brittany just said. Um, for me, I guess when you, you think about it, um, the issue of um, how spontaneous you can be, uh, spont- spontaneity shouldn't be a luxury. And I think for a lot of uh, transit dependent communities, it is seen as a luxury where uh, if I run out of milk, I can pop in my car and get there and back in 10 minutes. If I'm someone who's transit dependent, that could be an hour to an hour and a half um, journey. So uh, being able to uh, provide that and enhance that quality of life, I think is, is something that we'll see more of. Um, But Brittany, you brought up the, the um, kind of big, exciting uh, topic of the moment, the the uh, bipartisan infrastructure law that just passed. So, uh, with that investment, how do you see that uh, playing out in Denton County? So, for us, it allows us to provide more options, and and a Gary Thomas is a more tools in the toolbox. So, one of the things we've just done here in uh, Denton County is deployed our new microtransit service, our GoZone service. And um, we've overlaid that with our fixed route bus routes. And there was some um, debate back and forth, conversations at at the elected official level, at the board level of, do we eradicate all of our fixed route and and just do completely microtransit service? And it started boiling down into this black and white conversation. And what we were able to do here is our board of directors working with our leadership, working with our consultants was was what I call coming up with the gray solution. It's not all black and white. So now we're taking a look at how our fixed route here interacts with our microtransit, interacts with our commuter rail. And one of the great things about, especially the increases in formula funding in the IIJA is we don't feel hamstrung. We don't feel like we have to make a decision now, a black or white decision. It allows us a little more flexibility to look at what works best for our customers, what works best for our communities, what works best for our stakeholders, and gives us a little bit more flexibility in trying out things. And maybe we do microtransit and convert it to an all-electric fleet, or even hydrogen, I know, is something that's out there. Um, But again, it just allows us more options and to be more creative to serve the public better. And I'm really excited for, for everything that IIJA has in store for us. That's great. Last question, Brittany, would be uh, a future-oriented one, which is, where do you see public transit going? Okay, so you're one of the top 40 under 40, and hopefully you'll continue to work in this industry, you know, for another 20 or 30 years. Where do you see us going over the next 10 to 20 years as an industry? What do you see as the highlights? Well, I think, first of all, it's very hard to tell right now, because whether we like to admit it or not, we are still in the COVID era. I guess when something spans more than two years, it becomes an era and, and we're seeing these changes in traffic patterns and, and work patterns. And, and one of the things that we're seeing here now at DCTA is midday is our new peak period. And so I think it's hard to predict the future because we're still trying to figure out what the new normal is. But I think with the IIJA, I think with the things that you're seeing um, at transit properties across the country is going to be this renewed focus on sustainability, right? And not necessarily just environmental sustainability, although that's a big component of it, but community sustainability, how we become more involved and more ingrained in the fabric of our society, and then agency sustainability. 
Um, there was a time where I worried about the future of public transit because, quite frankly, it's it's an aging industry. And, and I'm especially where I was before, one of the very few, I was Gary's token millennial, you know. And so, um, but I think I'm really optimistic to your, you know, first point about the future of, of mass transit and the hands that we're in. And, and, and I'm not the innovative technology person, so there's going to be all kinds of cool stuff being developed there. Um, but I really can't wait to see what we do from, from a public service standpoint as we move into just buses and trains to um, the, the, the fabric of everyday life and how we make that better for folks. Misha, I can see why you picked Brittany as one of your top 40 under 40. She's awesome. In a nutshell. Your 20s are in the mail, too. Hey, thank you both for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. I think the folks that listen to this around the globe will be inspired by by you, Brittany, and by the work that you're doing there at Mass Transit Magazine. We should thank you both. Thanks so much, Paul. Thanks, Misha. Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about leadership, mentorship, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. Well, Happy New Year and welcome to 2022. And what a perfect way to start by celebrating a few of Mass Transit's top 40 under 40 honorees. As our guests on today's podcast note, there are many honorable and worthy folks in transit that are deserving of recognition, and this list simply highlights a few of those rising stars. Showing a passion for advancing transit, implementing their ideas, and empowering their teams, coworkers, peers, and most importantly, ridership. Great leaders influence others by their actions and by openly celebrating the success of others that join them on the journey. The future of transportation is bright, and I'm excited about the impact and change management that our next generation of leaders will have on their organizations and continually adding value to our industry. Thanks to all those who still take time out to mentor and to share when the opportunity arises. Just hearing the impact that today's guests have already had, along with their passion for continuous improvement, is truly commendable. Lastly, as this pandemic continues to rear its ugly head, Please take time out to thank a frontline essential worker this week. Kindness is cool, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views with our guests, Shofi Elazum, Brittany Farr, and Misha Wanek-Libman. Now, next week, Paul's talking with Laura Kaprowski, CEO of the Toledo Area Regional Transit Authority. But before then, on Friday, January 14th is the big day. It's the premiere of the first episode of Transit Unplugged TV, live from RTC of Southern Nevada in beautiful Las Vegas. Now, if you ever have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. But until then, ride safe and ride happy.